I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Now I've done some scary stuff in my life. I've been to war zones. I've been shot at. I've come under mortar attack. I've even interviewed Donald Trump. But nothing prepared me for the most terrifying assignment of all. Could I learn stand-up comedy? and make a room full of people laugh. I'm journalist Simon Houston, and this is my journey. And over these eight episodes, I'll be picking the brains of the best in the business as I aim to crack the laughter game. And could I possibly achieve the ultimate goal? Taken to the stage at the world's biggest comedy festival? This is Laughter Unlocked. Well, the term comedy royalty is thrown around a bit too freely these days, but for my latest guest, it fits perfectly because he is undoubtedly the king of the one-liner. You might know him as the guy with the crazy shirts and the mad hair from Mock the Week, but fans of Laughter Unlocked will know he's my favourite comedian. Sorry, Kevin Bridges, but you had your chance. He's currently touring the UK with his latest live show, Milton Jones, in Milton Impossible. And ahead of his sellout performance at the Glasgow Pavilion, he popped into the Laughter Unlocked studio to say hello. Thank you for coming along. Nice to be here. Nice to get out of the cold and wet. Well, I'm sorry for dragging you across the city in the middle of a, a small hurricane. Yes, what's going on? But, you know, but you, you know, also you're, you're a guy who takes care of his, his hair, not, never a hair, hair yeah. out of place normally. The so. wind has made my hair flat and normal. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> so pavilion tonight. Um, yep. Looking forward to it? Yeah, I always, uh, um, it's always quite lively at the pavilion, relatively speaking. I mean, those of us who are used to doing comedy clubs, um, that's more lively, but you can sometimes see people in the theatre who are not used to backwards and forwards, you know. Um, Glasgow is usually a place where there is backwards and forwards. And, and Aberdeen and Edinburgh with Glasgow sandwiched in between. Yes, yes, no, absolutely getting used to the Scottish way. But, it, you know, Glasgow, I think I did it on a Saturday night the last time I was here, and that was frisky, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which was, was great. I really enjoy it because if you're on, like, you know, the 73rd time you've done the same show. Mm-hmm. The bits that are different are the things you enjoy. Well, f- actually, this was one of, this is going to be one of my f- last questions, but I'll ask it at the start. Do, do you tailor that, your, your particular act, then, depending where you're going? You know, the kind of deadpan one-liners. Mm. Do, you, do you look at one city and think, I'm not sure they'll get this? Uh, I've got some jokes. I won't say which cities they are for, but I've got normal one-liners, and then there's a backup line if they don't get it, just to make it more obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that's necessary, sadly. <laughs> you do say that the, the, the thicker the audience, the higher the hair. Very much so. Yeah. And uh, What's the thinking behind that? Well, just because I've got, you know, Milton is on 10 different grades. And if I'm doing my own radio show on Radio 4, he's about two or three. Late night comedy store is rump, straight up. <laughs> I need 10 seconds at the, stop, at the start where they all just look at me and go, what? <laughs> and that, you know, and that also subconsciously signposts that's coming from left field. Yeah. Yeah. And it, there's a bit of a menace about it as sure. well, just to go, I may go toe-to-toe with mm. any aggression. So yeah. 
back well, off. Well, yeah, but radio they can't see you. So that I mean that's that's a big a big issue for someone who it is it is. But my, I do it in front of a live audience yeah. uh, who tend to be very middle class and yeah. they know exactly what they're in for. So it's yeah. all fine. So Milton Impossible. Um, I understand this was all about being an international spy. Yes, and then being given a, a disappointing new identity. Yes, that's the um, the bit in the program. I mean, what happens in reality is I I, I write fifty jokes, and then I try and see if there's a theme in there somewhere, <laughs> and there may be ten jokes on spying, and I go yes. So, and the, but the trouble is, you you end up, as you know, doing all these publicity stuff about almost a year before you actually start. Mm -hmm. So you haven't actually written the show. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to keep it wide enough to incorporate anything you might write in between, then just put a title on it. Sure. And to be honest, I came up with the title before I written, written any jokes. Milton Impossible seemed like a, you know. It's good, yeah. It's fine. And it also leads to images for posters and stuff. But then I had to write a load of spy stuff. <laughs> so did that go back, that predated the pandemic then, when you came up with the, yeah, name, of the, the yeah. name of the show? And, and the original jokes that you had in your head at the start. And the world has changed immeasurably. I did 35 shows. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic hit. And so, um, and then those shows that, that were supposed to happen were being put back two or three times each time. So the people I'm playing to at the moment, many of them bought tickets two years ago. Yeah. And I look out and I sometimes see gaps in the audience. Oh. <laughs> yeah, oh dear. <laughs> but yeah. occasionally then I get a message saying, oh, sorry, we either forgot or we we're a bit old and we Still a bit scared. To yeah, come of out. course, of course. So fair enough, you know. As long yeah. as I've got their money, <laughs> when was when was Glasgow supposed to be originally? Can you oh, remember? Uh, yeah, sorry, I can't even remember. You've got people to deal with that. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Uh, it was probably a year ago or something. Uh, but all the dates and the geography is all over the place now. I've managed to get Scotland in a row, but I'm back up in Dundee. You're in Dundee old, later in the year, yeah, or so, and yeah. Galashiel and um, somewhere else. So hmm. yeah, it's up and down, up down. As far as changing the show then, during that, that period when we all were, you know, in our houses, mm. in our underpants, not doing very much, mm. did were you constantly thinking, right, I need to tweak that bit, I need to tweak that bit? Or, or with, with your kind of comedy, mm -hmm. it's not really dated though, is it? So No, I mean, there were one or two topical things that disappeared. But yeah. To be honest, uh, I had, when COVID wasn't a thing and it was just coming in, I said, oh, there's this new thing from... Uh, the Far East, uh, I know what's caused it, Chinese whispers. <laughs> and that was fine. But then st people started dying, of course. And right. I had to drop it quick because right. it was suddenly bad taste. Right, I mean, right. Strange sort of thing. But um, there, there were one or two things like that and others that have come in since, which I can now use um, that are okay. Um, but actually people don't want to listen to a whole show about COVID. No, no, no. Uh, but as you said earlier, though, it is, it's probably important to have a nod to it because you you, mm. you will be talking to people who bought a ticket yeah. two years ago. Yeah. And, and hopefully they're all well, fitting well. As you'll see, in, in, at the end of the show, I, I thank everyone who bought a ticket over a thousand years ago for this show. But it all goes to prove that deep inside every British person, there is a voice that says, once I've paid for a ticket, <laughs> I'm going to turn up. So um, apart from those who forget, but... Uh, yeah, it's nice to uh, finally see them. So, what? How many? How many nights, roughly, in in total, before and after pandemic, with the entire tour comprise? Okay, so thirty five before uh, last autumn, we did another thirty five, and we're doing twenty five now, and then another 
um, 12 in May and then another 35 in the autumn. So I think that takes it to about 160. And had you toured prior to the, you know this current tour fairly recently before that? Or did um, you have much of a break? 2017. Because it, it, it strikes me that you're you know, pretty much on the road all the time. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, you know, when people say I'm doing a tour, they mean they're doing a specific show over a number of dates. But as a comedian, you're travelling all the time anyway. Mm -hmm. And it may be for one-off stuff, mm -hmm. but you're still on the road. So I'm on the road regardless. Yeah. Whether I cluster those dates all together and call it a tour and do the same show, that's uh, a different thing. But as as you're finding out, it's, it's actually hour for hour, you're more a paid traveller yeah, yeah, than yeah. you are on stage. So um, I'm just used to it now. And But the tour, at least I have someone who drives the van. Do you tend to have a kind of set routine? Because you're waking up in a different city mm. every morning. Do you kind of think, right, breakfast, then hit the road, hit the road, breakfast, breakfast on the road? or what, uh, what you... No, um, it depends. We're not always away. If it's within um, two hours of London, then we're back home. Right, got you, yeah. Um, and we tend to try and do away stuff all in one block. But yes, um, breakfast, maybe have to travel. I, I try and do a couple of hours writing in the mornings. I'm, I'm doing a radio show at the same time at the moment. Uh, so I've got to write that and other bits and pieces. And then in the afternoon we travel, get there at five, set up the stuff, have a cup of coffee, something to eat, warm up, do the sound check, do the show. Afterwards, maybe have a drink in the hotel. Mm -hmm. Quite often people pop up out, out of the woodwork yeah. who I know all around the country yeah. and maybe see them. That's quite nice. And that's that. Once we're on the road, it actually goes quite quickly because I haven't got you know many gaps. Yeah. yeah. And that's uh, too many cooked breakfasts. <laughs> Do you try and include a, a new joke every show? You'll see that there is a, a bit in the show that I try and come up with something. And... Also, right at the end, in the encore bit, I'll ask for a subject or two. Oh, great. Okay. Um, and But it's, it's bizarre because, especially on the last tour, I did that. And nine times out of ten, it was either sex, cheese or Brexit that people shouted. It was just bizarre. I know what's going on. And I got something for all of those, so that was great. <laughs> but um, it was but this just, is Glasgow. It could be absolutely uh, anything. Yeah, yeah, yes. Sectarianism. Uh, yeah, no, that could be very awkward. <laughs> um, but yes, and Ireland's tricky as well, um, just in terms of I still do bits with flags and pulling out the Union Jack in Dublin. Yeah, it's not so good. <laughs> and also, you know, if someone has a strong accent, which they're perfectly entitled to do, you can only say pardon so many times <laughs> before you look like an effete English yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll be there tonight, so I'll, I'll try and think of something. If there, any, anything in particular you would like? Any requests? No, that would be cheating. <laughs> 250 jokes. Is that still the case? A pair yeah, short, I mean, or... it, yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, it depends what you call a joke, because some of them are in a routine that are linked to other jokes, mm -hmm. and some of them are running jokes. So, But definitely 250 laughter lines, and then it will vary. And strangely... In a night that is more difficult, you get more jokes mm -hmm. because there's more laughter on a good night. And so I'm sort of throwing more stuff in to right. feed the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a bad night. So not yeah. bad, but, you know, a harder, a bigger haul, yeah. you know, with, the, with you know, less well, the, atmosphere. Yeah, well, the, the, the big laughter breaks kind of take yeah. up time. Absolutely. Well. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd love to find out what that feels like <laughs> one day. Yeah. I was I was discussing this with a colleague in the office today about you know your your kind of quick fire two hundred mm. two hundred fifty jokes, and somebody said how can he possibly remember all of those mm. in in a particular order? And someone else said well it's a bit like a band, 
they know their music inside out and they know their set list inside mm. out but no band plays 250 songs in a, in a but, show I mean obviously one liners are shorter than of songs course, but of also course, but as long as I don't forget halfway through a one liner uh, it's fine and I've I suppose I've got better at remembering stuff and also they're in a set order because you mustn't have two punchlines that are similar next to each other. Right. You always want to have the audience on the back foot all the time thinking, yeah. I don't know where this is going, I don't yeah. know where this is going. So uh, that they're carefully sort of managed so that uh, you, they can't see them coming, hopefully. It doesn't always work, but, um, uh, yeah, practice remembering. Um, I, don't want, I don't want to, you know, get too many tricks of the trades. That would be unfair. But is it visualisation memory tricks that you use maybe or...? No, it's it's not um, memory palaces or anything no. that that stuff. No, it's just that leads to that. I tend to do them in clumps. So my relationship, five jokes will be together. My school, eight jokes will be together. So that will. The only problem is that some of the junctions are quite similar. So if I take the wrong junction, the show ends really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's the hardest bit when you're starting. But when you've done the show eighty odd times, it's yeah. what you have to avoid then is. My mouth is saying one thing and my head starts to think, I wonder what we're doing later. <laughs> um, maybe, And then all of a sudden you're facing a thousand people and you can't remember what the last thing you said was. That's tricky. But at least I'm not with someone else who I have to, you know, give them their cue or anything. I can just go. And that's the thing with the character. You can just go. Mm -hmm. and, and <laughs> somehow get out of it. And he was free. So you've become a fairly recognisable face through programmes like Mock the Week and Live at the Apollo. Mm -hmm. But... That that came relatively late in your career, is that would that be fair to say? So you you were kind of a sort of journeyman stand up around the clubs. Yep. For what ten, fifteen years or more? Twenty. Twenty. Yeah. I mean, I always had a radio show in Radio Four, but again, mm. that doesn't make you recognised. Mm. Uh, and always done fine. Mm -hmm. You know, worked and made money and stuff. But two thousand and ten, I did six mock the weeks, Michael McIntyre's road show. Uh, a radio show and my own DVD was on Dave. Right. So by the end of that year, I was that guy. Yeah. So the, the, can you remember fairly clearly the, the kind of change at that point where maybe, mm -hmm. you know, stop people stopping in the streets, maybe selfies didn't exist in those yeah, days, yeah, but yeah. You, that sure. kind of thing. Yeah, no, I remember I did a club gig. It was in Luton or somewhere. And I turned up and uh, they said, we've hired the other room as well. I said, all oh, right, who's on? You are. <laughs> Oh, right, right. And suddenly it all went vroom, together, going, okay, right. this is what I've been aiming for. But suddenly you realise you have to triple your output mm -hmm. because you can't just do the same stuff you did on Michael McIntyre's Roadshow yeah. last week. Yeah. And that's, as a one-liner, that's the single hardest thing because, you know, you spend ages and ages and ages putting something together that lasts 10 seconds. Yeah. yeah. So you need loads more of those. Yeah. Yep. And it's really hard then not to let your your standard drop because it takes a long time to come up with that stuff. One thing I've been asking everyone in the in the podcast is the is the kind of route into comedy and whether you decided you were funny or whether your friends and family decided you were funny and how, and how, how did the how, you know how did the decision mm. to try it come about? Okay, I tried to be an actor, right. And at the time, I wasn't acting, so I thought, if I do stand-up, then I can invite a producer or a director to come and see me. Mm -hmm. And I did it a bit, and it worked sometimes, and it didn't. I, this was before the hair and the shirt sure. and all that sort of stuff. So I sounded like a sort of middle-class bloke doing clever jokes. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes that would be fine if everyone else was like that. Yeah. But you go to a rough club and you go, who's this bloke? So um, it was messing around with appearance and 
style. The only reason I did one-liners was I was so scared that I needed to get to the joke as quickly as possible. And it wasn't until I thought of it, like an actor, as playing a part, that it began to work. Right. So I had to, as we know, the two types of comedian, one who's the same all the time, joke, 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 hilarious for 10 minutes, don't share a car's journey with them. Um, the other type is uh, someone who's one person off stage, one person on stage, and that, that's more me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not how I am, obviously. I mean, sometimes people assume that I am, and they go, oh, you're just a bloke, aren't you? Oh, well, oh, well. <laughs> it's strange. I bumped into a few primary school friends not so long ago, and they said, yeah, at school, you didn't say much, but when you did, it was quite funny. Mm-hmm. And that's not my perception of it. Um, but I probably, I didn't speak in one line as right. at school. But I do remember, I do remember getting my first laugh ever uh, when they did the school register when I was six. And everyone said, yes, yes, yes. And I just said no. And everyone laughed. Mm. <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> that, is, that, is that the left turn? Is that uh, what they yeah, call it? Yes, exactly. So it was all downhill from there. Yeah. And as far as the, being, a, being a club stand-up, was, it, was there a kind of point in the journey where you, where you realise, yeah, this is this has reached the kind of watershed moment, or this has reached the right point where I know I'm, I'm a success? Was mm-hmm. it maybe the first big Edinburgh that you did, possibly? Yeah, or? I mean, uh, sometimes it takes someone else to go, um, you're, we think you're good, for yourself to think. And I won Best Newcomer in 96, mm-hmm. uh, which was great for my self-confidence and also a number of people who'd ignored me thus far suddenly thought I was good, apparently. But, um, yes, awards are a bit like degrees after scientists' names, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of comedy. Uh, so, th- so that was good. And, and I think if you're doing eight or nine gigs a week, you think, well, it can't be that bad. Yeah, sure, <laughs> of course. As long as you're getting paid. There's yes. a lot of people up here who are doing mm. gigs not getting paid and just want the stage time. Yes, well, things have changed since I was started, of course. You know, the circuit doesn't exist in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more about social media and, mm. you know, sometimes young comics contact me and say, oh, can you help me get started again? I'm an expert on getting into comedy in the 90s, I'm afraid, so <laughs> that's no help to you. Before, before mobile phones. Yeah, no, absolutely. You have, um, in some interviews I've seen fairly recently, been a bit critical of the fringe and how the fringe has kind of de- developed and maybe become a bit too commercial and and... If that's the right word, possibly not. Yeah. I mean, it's got, well, who knows what's going to happen after the pandemic. Sure. And it may be, uh, in the long run, quite useful, um, but it's got hugely big. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, maybe it needs to be called something else. Maybe it needs the word fringe needs to be dropped. <laughs> because if it had continued as it was, people certainly didn't try stuff out in Edinburgh, or very few. It was... It needed to be polished because yes. everyone was watching. Yes. And you're surrounded by your peers and you don't want to mess up there. Right. So people would literally go to other fringes, maybe in other countries, to get their show ready for Edinburgh. Which would be the peak, the, the kind of the, the, yeah. the kind of climax of the of the set, yes. if you like. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think Edinburgh is brilliant and great experience, especially if you haven't done very much and you end up sharing a uh, dressing room with um Dancers from South Africa and, you know, it's just uh, mind-blowing. And I like Edinburgh and all, and all that stuff. Um, but in terms of actually being cutting edge, it's quite hard for something really cutting edge to get the publicity it deserves. Maybe in the third week it might or something. Yeah, it yeah. just takes a while because it, it's all so PR-led. Yeah, yeah. Which um, is a shame in a way. But I don't know, you know, it's not, not their faults. It's just not a fringe. Yeah. From the, the early days, what can you sort of recall some 
experiences when you thought, yeah, this is just the best place to be in the world? I mean, the, the kind of some of your real highlights from Edinburgh back. Well, I mean, conversely, I, I can I can remember where it seemed like the worst place yeah. in the world, you know, in terms of no one turning up to shows. Yeah. And people were giving away tickets. And I remember seeing Mackenzie Crook in the room next door and it just didn't have anyone to, you know, to play to. But actually, I think another thing I say to uh, kids starting out is the most single, the single biggest muscle you need to develop is your bounce back muscle. Mm -hmm. So when something doesn't work, a show, a, um, a run at a fringe or uh, a joke, what you can do now, you're going to retire, yeah. you know, mentally and and in footballing terms, not want the ball. Yeah, right. right? So, you, or are you going to bounce back? Yeah. Are you going to bounce back? Bounce back. Because even if you have a brilliant TV series and it stops, what are you can do? You're going to bounce back and reinvent yourself. So that muscle to reinvent yourself is the single most important thing in your whole career. So get used to that. Um, yeah, I mean, also I remember... Uh, on the last night of the Fringe, you know, they have the fireworks. I remember climbing up on top of the Pleasance building, just on the apex of the thing, and then just losing my nerve and someone having to, to help me off the top. Oh, no. Well, we, the drinks were consumed. Of course, yeah. And But suddenly you realise, oh, the railing's down there. Oh, my God. And it was... You know, that Did we was, panic attack? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly yeah. that. So, and that was another bad memory. I seem to have only bad memories. It was a bit awkward. I'm glad you brought up football. And so we'll come on oh, to yeah, football yeah. in a minute. But sorry, you're going to see. Yeah, so uh, do, you, do you have a, a fringe experience like a lot of people have at the beginning? Raymond Mearns has told me a couple of really funny stories mm. about playing to like one person. In fact, he told one story about speaking to two playing a show to two guys who were Portuguese and one spoke English and the other one didn't so he had to translate <laughs> the jokes <laughs> and he was translating yeah, yeah. and the other guy was like, you know. yeah is that it yeah, yeah. Um, did you have any of those real nightmare experiences um, at the start no, I played to four people once and that's just too awkward it's it's too weird um, and there, even if you have a good run there are always going to be two or three shows that are difficult yeah and what happens, especially to if you're nominated for something or you get good press, then a load of people come in who are not actually in tune with what you're doing. They just sure. come to see, ah, what's all this about? Sure. And it's a lot, suddenly the audiences get harder, even though there are more of them, um, which is what you want. But it, you suddenly think, hang on a minute, this is harder than I thought. Yeah. Um, I can't remember anything specific. I mean, you get to see everyone. And it's, it's great to see, you know, when I went up, I think Lee Evans won it. Lee Evans won it. I'll tell you when he won it because a guy I, mm. I knew quite well back in the day, Parrot. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. From Greenock, where I was yeah, working yeah, yeah. at the time. And I think Parrot finished second behind Lee yeah. Evans. That was probably 93. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, the next time I saw Lee Evans' face was when I was in California with doing a family holiday and he was just all over Hollywood. Yeah. Just, go, <laughs> just like that. Hang on, that bloke. I was in the corner. And he did it. So, and Simon Pegg as well, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. was second in Newcomer the year before me. Yeah. And all these people are suddenly worldwide stars. So, so. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, you, you, you didn't get something about Mary like uh, Lee Evans did. In no, this. no, I shouldn't. No, that, with, right, the with the hair, exactly. That so. way. Even, yeah, well, let's not go down that yes. road. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's great to be just part of that whole scene and, and you know, just rubbing shoulders with people who go on to things and, and sadly some people disappear as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all quite random. It's not always the people you think are going to go. Sure, sure. The wonderful winter sale is now on at Harry Corey. Harry Corey. Prices are falling in every department. Duvet sets from only £7.50, pillows from only £6 and lined eyelet curtains from just £12.50. The Harry Corey Winter Sale now on. Call in store or online at harrycorry.com while these wonderful offers last. Harry Corey, the curtain bedding specialists. I want to mention football because you, one of the ep- earlier episodes, your name came up and I think it was Ray Bradshaw said, Milton's a really good footballer. And I'm so immediately onto YouTube and I'm watching you crossbar challenge, first <laughs> uh, attempt in Soccer AM. Yeah, it's true. It's true. That's I don't know quite impressive. how that happened. But um, uh, I've played a lot of park football, basically. And uh, I think that the thing about comedians saying the other comedian is a good footballer, that means you can run 100 yards without falling over and dying. And uh, But yeah, no, I've, I've played a lot of football. I still play five a side. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. And did you play the kind of you know amateur level then and like for for clubs or was it just with no your it, was, pals? it was local local teams church and uh, pub and uh, old old boys at school and uh, yeah all sorts but if you're not going to be really really good then playing with your mates is the best yeah. thing uh, because there's that nasty little in between phase where it's you're not being paid for it. But everyone is really serious and <laughs> it's the most important thing in their whole week and they're all shouting at you. Just shut up. Oh, you yeah, know, I play a weekly game on a Monday night and really? it just gets like that, don't you? Whatever, yeah, it does yeah, get like that. Yeah. You can tell who's had a bad week. Yes, and, and it's the highlight of a lot of folk. You know, I've, mm. I've, you know mates have got really, really important jobs, like, you know, consultant cardiologist, but you'd rather be playing five a side than saving someone's life. Although it's quite handy having a cardiologist <laughs> yeah, yeah, on no, the pitch. It would be. So when you're in a vehicle from town to town or tour, you know, going back home at night and going in the morning, heading off for a tour, even just things like keeping fit must mm-hmm. be a kind of issue and watching yeah. what you eat and so Absolutely. on. And uh, you work and then all you have to look forward to is your food or drink, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> which can be problematic, especially with buffet breakfast and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I find like if I have one or two days off, I spend it at least doing two runs or I try and do exercises in the hotel, but it doesn't always work. So yes, that, that is a problem. And also now I, when I've got a tour coming, I will try and get fit for it mm-hmm. because I know that it's physically demanding and I won't be able to do much exercise. So sure. try and do that. But yeah, for your own head's sake, you've got to do exercises and stretches. The older you get... Are you, are you bringing any politics into your shows these days? Um, there is some what might call satire, because yeah. um, I do bits with flags and I do the voices yeah. of the different countries. Yeah. Uh, so there is a bit of that, but I like to think it's sort of balanced out. It's not. I'm not preaching any particular 
political message. I say it only because, you know, when people think comedians with funny hair, they, they don't just think Milton Jones. But mm. um, it's a crazy place, isn't it, at the moment? This this world we're living in. The change, it's just changed beyond recognition. Even what's going on in Ukraine at the moment too. Mm. And you've got Boris. And you've got, I mean, Brexit seems a million years ago. Yes. You must have so many sources of well, that, satire. <laughs> well, the trouble is you were... I mean, I. it's well known that there are plenty of... Uh, comedians who had Gulf War material and when the second Gulf War came in, yes, I can use the old stuff. So you don't actually watch the news with, you know, empathy towards the people who are a bit dying. Just can I use that bit again? Where did they put that print out? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, um, you know, Donald Trump was a bit like that and then he comes in the news thinking, oh, maybe I can use that again. That's the danger of it. But I'm not really a preacher in terms of that particular thing because it all seems equally bad to me who do you who, who do you watch who, who are you, your favorite comedians it gets complicated because sometimes you know the person and possibly you like the person but you're not so keen on the act and the other people you think well, they're a genius but they're a pain to be with mm -hmm. so someone like say bill bailey yeah can do everything basically yeah you can do one-liners you can do stories you can do music and he can talk to people you know, improvise. So that that's a complete package. I'd say the three sharpest people um, that I've worked with, uh, Lee Mack. Yeah. Really quick. I mean, really quick, like... You did some writing for Not Going Out, didn't you? Yeah, years ago, about just before 2010, I did, yes. <laughs> um, and I still see, I play football with him. Excellent. Is he a good player? <laughs> uh, he scores a lot of goals. And we have a joke that he's a goal hanger. But um, he's one of those players that is slightly playground player that has some tricks. Yeah. But I'd like to see him on a big pitch. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you want him box the box. You know, putting yeah, a shift yeah, in yeah, rather yeah. than just yeah, taking all the glory. Yeah. But he, he can play. But he's one of those players too that you, how did he score that? I don't understand. You know, that shouldn't happen. What about you? I had, I had you down as a kind of midfield dynamo. Well, I started off on the right wing and uh, in my late 30s, I was right half. And by the end, I was right back. And now I'm right back in the dressing room. This is, <laughs> yeah, so I was gradually going backwards. But I was box to box in the, yeah. in the old days, for yeah, sure. I can imagine. Yeah. So Lee yeah. Mack, and you were going to say someone else as well? Uh, Lee Mack, uh, Frank Skinner is incredibly yeah. sharp. Um, just can turn things around really quickly and you watch him do audience work and stuff. You go, because you know, it's like if you've got a comic mind, you're thinking, what would I do in that situation? It's like watching football. Yeah. And the Messi's and the Ronaldo's stand out because, well, where did that come from? I didn't even see how he could do that. And same with those guys, Andara O'Brien. Yeah. Those three, I would, I, you know, there are lots of good comics. and the, But the people I've worked with, I go, I'm not sure how you did that. Yeah. Can't have you in Glasgow without asking you about some of our own finest, and Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly, yes. I mean, um, brilliant storyteller and infectious charisma. And I, you kind of really enjoy and admire people who are nothing like you. Sure. Whereas um, sometimes I look at one-liners and think, eh, I wouldn't have done it like that, or I wish I'd written that, <laughs> or whatever it is. They're, they're slightly more threatening. Whereas someone like Billy Connolly go, wow, you're just doing magic, mate. I've no idea how you did that. Uh, and especially to to hone stuff on the hoof, yeah. you know. Whereas I'm, I've written it, and I've changed the emphasis of that word, you know. Whereas he's just organic and adds things every night. Uh, I'm a big fan of Kevin Bridges. Yeah, big fan. Um, just 
funny bones. Yeah. Funny bones. And the, there's, it's interesting. There, there's certain people on the circuit. You know, we all get together, and the balance of genius versus hard work is quite interesting. But where genius is more involved, people always say funny bones. People say it about Sean Walsh, uh, Lee Evans. You know, yeah. funny bones. Frankie Boyle was described on this show um, previous episode as a, a, a prolific writer of comedy mm -hmm. and um, obviously very hardworking as well. That's someone who you spent quite a bit of time with in, in Mock the Week no, as well. No, yeah. actually, not at all. No. Because I tell you, I didn't do a single episode with him. Oh, what really? happened was he left the show exactly as I, on the episode I started doing it. Um, he was ill. He was supposed to be on the show and he was ill. And so the warm-up uh, guy had to step in and do it. So I have never done a single show. Now, I've met Frankie. Sure. And I've done the odd festival gig or stuff like that. And I know him vaguely. But I've never been on the set. I'm quite glad in a way because, you know, he was very good. And, you know, the stuff that he came out with was quite hard to follow, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with some yeah. clever little puns. <laughs> it's not what you want. He's a very different person on the Mock the Week compared to his live show, which uh, is yeah. which is kind of fantastic, but kind of jaw-dropping at points as well. Yes, yes, and that's the point, I guess, Yeah, um, that he's pushing those boundaries. But uh, so I can see that he's really good at what he does. Sure. And uh, since he slightly reinvented himself, sure. but um, it's still really good and really well-written and... Uh, can you let us into a little Mock the Week secret? And if you don't want to, you know, yep. I understand. But, you know, when when that race to get to the, the mic to tell the joke, how does that all pre-agreed? Pre no. Sometimes you see people making to go out there and they have to no, take it a step. Is. Fastest finger first kind of thing. Yeah, and it depends who you're on with. Really, yeah. And you'll get time to do, you know, that whole section goes on for 20 minutes. Yeah. And it's edited down to three or four minutes. And you will get time to do what you want to do. But the problem is, as soon as the subject comes up, there are probably two or three ways of covering it. And if you don't get in quick, someone's not going to say your words, but make what you have irrelevant. Mm -hmm. So that's why the rush is on. Yeah. And some people get quite nervous, especially new people, actually. They think, oh, I, I've, I've, got, I've balanced this in my head now. I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, and get out of the way, get out of the way, and, uh, which is fine. But if they keep doing that, then it's irritating. <laughs> and, it, you know, people have fallen out. Really? In terms of literally physically pushing each other out the way. and I mean, it doesn't, never got to fisticuffs or anything. Oh, that's a shame. I'm so proud. Yes, sadly. Um, but you can see, because what, you, what you're doing standing there, you want to look like you're laughing at everyone else's jokes. You know? But actually you're thinking, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Uh, so it's a bit like going like that. You've got to think on two different levels. And you, you better listen because... You may just go and say roughly what someone else has said. Yeah. So that that is hard. But Hugh, he he can carry on all day. Yeah. But, but you, you're, I mean, you're the, probably the yourself and Tim Vine. Everyone thinks of as the the kings of the one liners. Mm. You must be Bookie's favourite to get there first. And you know, and whenever the subject comes up, if you, if, if someone yeah. who's not perhaps known as a, a kind of one liner comedian. Yeah. Trickier, I would imagine, in that environment. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mock the Week in general, for the whole show, never mind the end bit, if you're a storyteller, you probably, even if it's a brilliant story, you'll be lucky to get more than one in the edit. Yeah. Because they just haven't got time for it. So basically, it's a clever format that just does punchlines. Yeah. And it's set up to give the minimum setup for your punchline, which suits one-liners. Mm -hmm. uh, but even so, I've probably said to you before, that most of what I say on Mock the Week is hey, you, you, just trying to get a word in. 
<laughs> because it's seven people trying to fit through a door for two. Yeah. And it's, I guess it comes across in the edit as dramatic tension, <laughs> but it's just irritating to not get in with a joke and then the subject move on. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, all right, okay, so it's not, so it's not all predetermined then. It's No, 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 that's, well, that's, that's good I mean, we know. get lists of subjects, not the exact questions, but lists and like a syllabus yeah. for an exam. Yeah. And we think, oh, I've got something on that, and that, and that, and that, and that. And you come with, with all these notes and stuff, and they go, oh, then, then either something comes up that wasn't on the list, you go, mm. oh, from, or you just can't think of anything in time. Yeah. And or what's worse is if you're the only person who comes up with something good on one subject, you know that won't be in the edit because they won't just use that one thing. Yeah, right, okay. It has to be a collaborative thing where... Can you not, like, throw, throw some... You know, jokes at other people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, say this, say this. Yeah, had them pre prepared earlier. Yes, I mean, well, it's worked for me because I don't quite play the game always. Yeah, and uh, apparently the editor likes what I say because you know it'll go round and someone will build on the theme, build on the theme, and I'll say pheasant, right. and that will be the end of the you know that round. And it's 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 worked for me, and some people like that, but also it works in general for comedians because does every, everyone want to see? Half an hour of one of those comedians, probably not. Yeah. You only want to see five minutes of sure. each one. There's another thing that, that always strikes me about you, and it's probably you're, you're well known for it. Actually, you don't you don't curse or you don't swear in any of your shows. No. Is that is that is that deliberate or is it just uh, because you're just a very polite person? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen me play football. Um, I'm a Christian, mm -hmm. and therefore blasphemy would be ill-advised. Uh, and I started off thinking I'd quite a like an act that my children. Uh, yeah, good. Could, yeah see or watch and I think it took me longer to get started because I wasn't prepared to swear myself out of a situation but in the long run I think I've written better jokes that didn't rely on something and also I'm booked because I can work clean yeah uh, and so I'm thrown into all sorts of situations yeah. that regardless of the age group or the, yeah, the corporate, yeah. corporate yeah. environment I mean, yeah. gets me into some weird stuff but um, I get more work ultimately mm -hmm. but yeah it's difficult and uh you know that they come to you at mock the week and say, "Make sure you don't swear." Yeah, I'm yeah, we don't have to remind <laughs> you, yeah. Frankie. However, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, quite. So, what's what's plans then for the? I may have asked you this earlier. I apologise for the for the, the rest of the year after this tour. Are you are you doing Edinburgh this year? Or? No, not this year. Um, it doesn't. I haven't got a new show to do. You probably need a rest. Well, yes. Um, we're still putting dates into the autumn, uh -huh. and uh, I'm doing a radio show which is going to take my creativity up till the end of March and now I also kind of want to see what if it all settles down sure because I've had so many shows put back that I kind of need to just stop and say is this is this, this is, over are now we, are we, yeah well yeah we're we done here can you imagine living in Scotland though because down south yeah we we looking at the kind of news or you know, down in England we kind of get the impression that masks have gone mm. the restrictions aren't really the same as far as pubs and clubs mm. are concerned whereas up here our dear leader is still fairly... Yes, well, know, as we found out in the hotel today. <laughs> yeah, really. Have you got a mask? Have you got a mask? Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I've got one from last year somewhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So people don't really trust that the government know what they're doing anymore. Yeah. So people still wear them where they don't need to down south often. Yeah. I mean, certain type of people. Kids never bothered anyway, no. but, um, but it could easily come back. Yeah. And then, yeah, that, there's some clubs that have gone down and some... Yeah, so it's 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 changing. It mm. is changing all the time, um, and hopefully, hopefully, the will you know by the time the summer comes and goes, we will know where yeah. we're going to be kind of long term. Absolutely. 
I was going to ask you, do you have a, do you have like kind of two or three kind of banker jokes that you, you know, if you, if, if you desert island gags, for example, mm. if you could take five, if you were only able to take five jokes with you, what mm. would it be? My, my favourite Milton Jones joke, and I yeah. tell this on a daily basis, yep. is when, I think it's when my grandfather fell ill, we smeared him from head to toe in goose fat. Yeah, if you want the correct wording. Yes, yeah. can you uh, tell that one? Go on. About a month before he died, my grandmother covered my grandfather's back with lard, and after that, he went downhill very quickly. Um, yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not quite sure where I would tell myself my own jokes on a desert island. Do you mean my jokes? Yeah. Your jokes. Okay. If you, if, if someone said, "Give me your f- the five favorite." Okay. Your well, favorites. I'll give you the five that have actually sort of helped me yeah. along. So, probably the first one someone took notice was. My Auntie Marge has been ill for so long, we've changed her name to I Can't Believe She's Not Better. Right? <laughs> and that was, oh, that's, uh, hello. <laughs> then there was, uh, yeah, I, did, I opened in the 90s too, with, um, it made more sense in the 90s, when the boys in the playground found out I had a potentially fatal allergy to peanuts. They used to shove me up against a wall and make me play Russian roulette with a bag of revels. <laughs> but... Then Revels came up with an advert based on the Deer Hunter and the whole scene. And loads of because people... Because of you? Well, that was the thing. Loads of people wrote into The Guardian, as it happened, and said that's a Milton Jones joke that they've just adapted. And, of course, the advertising agency denied it completely. But anyway, they did a big article in The Guardian and uh, and interviewed me and blah, blah, blah. And Surely talk, you got a free box of Revels of nothing else. You would think so. They changed it to the orange one, actually, as opposed to... They couldn't really do peanut allergy, but... Uh, so that that was all a bit of a fuss. Um, uh, the next one I would say probably I was walking along the road the other day and on the road I saw a small dead baby ghost, although thinking about it, it might have been a handkerchief. <laughs> that was... Um, I started for a few years with that. There's one in the show tonight which sort of a lot is resting on, put it that way. <laughs> Uh, because it leads on to other stuff. Um, another time, I woke up in the middle of the night. There was a beautiful woman in my bedroom. I said, who are you? What do you want? She looked at me and said, Nikita. Sure enough, when I woke up in the morning, my radiator was missing. <laughs> That's fairly structural to the <laughs> evening this show. So, well, I'm going to, is it is fairly early on then, is it? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to listen out for it. <laughs> um, trying to think of anything else. The one I started with last show was Milton Jones. This is a bespoke one. Milton Jones isn't my whole name. My whole name's Milton 79 Heathfield Road Jones because my dad heard you could save tax if you put your house in your son's name. <laughs> Another one I like is um, it's one of my favourites, my other grandfather. Um, he's staying with us at the moment. He's got a black eye. I knew his room was too small for a cuckoo clock. <laughs> I think it's all about that image, isn't it? It's it's like... Oh, dear, that's brilliant. Yeah. Do you open with the same thing every show? Uh, yes. I mean, on a tour show, yes. Yeah, because uh, I need to keep the, all that bag of jokes together. Now, things happen in the show where it, it yeah. goes off and there's a tangent and someone shouts something and whatever. But I try and keep it all the same. The single hardest thing, I think, is if someone heckles you before you've opened your mouth. Oh, cool. Because you haven't established what you're doing and you can't leave it 
and it gets the evening off to a slightly aggressive start. Yeah, yeah. So don't do that. No, no. <laughs> we'll try not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so time is moving on and you've been very, very generous with your time. If you could, uh, so the whole point of this podcast, as you mm-hmm. know, is my wee journey yeah. that I'm doing. I'm trying to do five, five minutes at Edinburgh. If you could give me one piece of advice and please don't make it give up, but um, one piece of advice. You don't know any of the sets. So. No, no, I don't. Um, don't measure it on how good your last gig was. Do like a graph and plot the mean of all of them. Because um, if you judge yourself on your last gig, you'll either think you're a genius or a complete failure, and that's not the truth. So the cliche, and I may have used this before, but is it's like learning a musical instrument, except you do all your practice in public. So you have to do a lot mm-hmm. to be good. You have to do, like, learning to fly a plane. You have to do a lot of hours so that when the things go wrong, your reflexes are all built up from mistakes that happened before. Yeah. So it's all about hours on stage, hours on stage. And I've seen really funny people give up because they won't do the hours, they won't do the practice. Conversely, I've seen some not that funny people <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going and turn corners and suddenly get funny. And they become, yeah. I, I, I can think of one or two who you might be in, but I'm not mm. going to say their names yeah. because I'll end up getting sued. Mm. Um, Milton, I can't tell you how delighted I am you took the time to come in to no, the, nice the studio because you're an absolute star and uh, I hope the rest of the tour goes as well as I'm sure it will. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on stage tonight. Cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers. The wonderful winter sale is now on at Harry Corey. Harry Corey. Prices are falling in every department. Duvet sets from only £7.50, pillows from only £6 and lined eyelet curtains from just £12.50. The Harry Corrie Winter Sale now on. Call in store or online at harrycorrie.com while these wonderful offers last. Harry Corrie, the curtain bedding specialists.